0: Hello, I'm Helen Daly. Welcome to Build It, Thou Come. Candid interviews with amazing Australian entrepreneurs who started with a humble idea and built it into something substantial and sustainable. It's the human face behind how they built it. On today's
1: episode... That kind of blind taste test for us was everything. Not telling people it's non-alcoholic until they tried it was really the mic drop moment for us where, you know, almost everyone who tried it could not believe it was non-alcoholic and
0: that's when we knew we had something. Pete Brennan and his three co-founders persevered with their vision of making a tasty, hoppy, beery beer but with zero alcohol in it. But at the beginning of their startup journey, the guys had a piece of great luck or good timing that would turn into a pivotal moment for their little beer brand, Heaps Normal. The Startmate Accelerator Program, run by venture capital firm Blackbird Ventures, usually supports tech startups, not consumer food or beverage items. But the way Pete Brennan tells it, being accepted into Startmate was a game changer for heaps normal. And way back at the beginning, one of the foursome, brewer Ben Holdstock, had tinkered and experimented with different ways to have a beer with no alcohol in it. So right there on his kitchen bench at home, he created their special Heaps Normal recipe for zero-alk beer. The foursome then embarked on a novel way to brew their beer in quantity. Hope you enjoy part two of my chat with Heaps Normal's Pete Brennan. So you came up with the recipe and as you say it was home brewed for the perhaps what the first batch. Mm-hmm. Then you get a brewing company in Victoria to actually brew it for
1: you. You don't have your own brewery, is that right? Yeah, we yeah, we kind of we turn the traditional business of building a beer company a little bit on its head. I think how a lot of breweries start is they're very capital intensive in the early days and they um, you know they build a they build a, a brewery and it's it costs a lot of money and then fingers crossed people will come yeah um, build it they 'll come um, yep. <laughs> and um you know we did it the other way around we we, we 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 contract brewed with our brew partner we also um you know a real big pivotal moments in our business was getting accepted into StartMate, um, which is the accelerator program run by Blackbird Ventures, which is typically a typically a technology skewed accelerator program. But yeah, um, yeah we, um, we were invited to apply. We were told we probably wouldn't get in, but it would be good for us to think about our business in a different way. So we went through the application process of, I believe, 700 plus startups and we got narrowed down to you know, one of the final twelve and went into the went into the program and off the back of that raised some money with some some incredible investors. And um, you know, those same investors followed on in the last round that we did at the end of last year. And we're now building our own brewery and um you know, growing the business, which is really exciting
0: extraordinary now so keeping the flavor and the taste for beer lovers i mean that must be the holy grail obviously but mm-hmm. does zero alcohol beer have less sugar in it or more sugar in it than normal beer
1: it's got about half the sugar and calories of a normal beer so it's uh, it's it's fantastic for you as well. yeah. Yeah. so
0: that's an added benefit right
1: <laughs> it is
0: yeah, where did the funding come from at the very beginning? Did you have a f- bit of savings each of you? Did you borrow from family or borrow from a bank or did you max out the credit card?
1: Yeah, we um the well the first round is called the 3F's friends, family and fools. Um so <laughs> we we um yeah, we we all put some money in pretty early on and um you know, J- Jordi was was essentially our first investor. He put he put Quite a substantial amount of money down, and really got behind us, and um, yeah, that allowed us to do our first production run. It allowed us to, you know, do a lot of R and D in the early days before we did that production run, and and essentially make something that was our version of, you know, what the tech world calls an MVP, a minimum viable product, and that's what we used to sample and and get people's opinions, and from there we were able to scale. So F-
0: fantastic! Now you launched your first batch in winter at the start, at, in that first year of the pandemic. Was that a little bit mad?
1: Probably, but it worked out. <laughs> um, it's, um, I, I think, you know, like I said, I, I think hard work is one thing, but I think being in the right place at the right time, I think a little mm. bit of luck, I think a little bit of know-how and, um, you know, network and, and all those things really play into the success of any company. And, um, you know, we... we you know, we've worked really hard, but I think, you know, we've been surrounded by incredible people from the beginning. And I think, you know, like you called out the timing of COVID was something that was obviously out of our control, but it seemed to work in our favor for some reason. Um, And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I think it's just this kind of perfect storm of, of, of timing and hard work and luck and, bit of research and blood, sweat and tears, it all came together and has allowed us to, you know, be where we are now, which in the grand scheme of things, we're not even, you know, we're barely two years in, we still have a lot of work ahead of us, but um, yeah, it feels like we're doing good stuff. And, you know, for me, it's, it's, it, it really is a purpose-driven business, you know, like I, I shared my, my story of my dad earlier and, you know, we get, we get messages weekly from people through our social media, through the email address on our website going, You know, my husband was not a nice person and he's found Mm. heaps normal and now I enjoy his company and my dad stopped being angry with me and because of heaps normal and all these things where you know when it's when it's midnight and you're trying to work through a presentation but you know you should go to bed, it's those things for me that kind of make you push through and make you want to get out of bed in the morning because we're doing, you know, we're making a product that I think, was frowned at a lot in the early days, but now people are really understanding why we're doing it and, and you know, why we're doing it is everything.
0: Yeah. So you talked about, you know, the timing. I mean, um, you're, you're giving COVID uh, some great, um, you know, the various lockdowns really helped you. Is that because you think there was this reassessment of, of how we live through COVID and that we can't depend on um, alcohol to get us through?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I like I said earlier, I think you know the first lockdown, people just stocked up and they drank through it because they thought this is going to be for a couple of weeks. Let's bunker down and get it done. And you know we're off work for for a few days. And um, and I think when it dawned on us all that this was not something that was going to go away too quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, people started reassessing their their relationship with alcohol and other things. You know, fitness in general or food. Um, I, I think it's I think it's there's been opportunity for a lot of companies in those spaces to do really well um, in a downturn like we like we've experienced.
0: Yeah. Peter, as you mentioned before, in November 2021, so what, seven or eight months ago, you raised eight and a half million dollars in a funding round, mainly from private individuals like Adore Beauty's Kate Morris, who's been on this podcast as well. How important is that funding in your growth?
1: Yeah, it's been really important for us. Um, you know, coming through that StartMate Accelerator program, a lot of our mentors were people like Kate Morris and, um, you know, Danny Millen from Koala and Milk Run and people oh, like Simon great Griffiths. To hear. Yeah, people like Simon Griffiths and Who Gives a Crap. And, and, and you know, the, those having access to those people as mentors was invaluable for us. And, and when we, you know, how it works with StartMate is you get to the end of the accelerator and then it's essentially a Dragon's Den style program pitch competition where you, you know, you go on stage and you say, this is our business and we need X amount of money to do these three or four things with, and you kind of open it up to the floor. And I think if I remember correctly, we needed $1.2 million back then. We opened the round on that demo day and within 48 hours, we had $1.8 million committed. So we had to scale a bunch of investors back. And, um, I think we settled on like 1.3 or 1.4. And then when we, when we did this, uh, the series a raise back in November, um, we I think there was two or three people that were outside of the initial investment group, but the rest of the investors were people that had followed on from the first round. So it's I guess it's just so grateful that we've surrounded ourselves with such incredible people who have built businesses from scratch very successfully. Um and then, you know, can see the vision that we're trying to achieve and have put their money where their mouths are and backed us from from the early days, which is just, you know, so we're so grateful for that
0: yeah Peter. I just want to ask you, uh, I mean that funding that particularly the um the series A that valued the company at what just under sixty million dollars, which is amazing for having sold your first products in mid twenty twenty but do you think those valuations of late last year were a little bit frothy and could come off a bit now?
1: I don't think so. um you know it's 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 one of those things I think raising money is often misunderstood. You know, we 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 raise, like I said, we raise a total of nearly ten million dollars. And at each raise you get people phoning you going, congratulations. And it's actually the opposite because no one just gives you money. <laughs> You've got yeah. to pay that money back yeah. with a return of within course. a certain time period. So if anything it's um you know the pressure's really on. Um but yeah, I mean, we're, we're we're going from strength to strength. Um, you know, we we were very clear on what we are going to use the funding for. Um, you know, which was to you know some key hires to increase production and, and build our own facility, which we're kind of working through at the moment. Um, but yeah, we're just so grateful. We've got some incredible people in our corner. It's um, yeah, it's just it's really exciting to have access to those people.
0: Yeah. So back when you started, was it always for you a big vision, or was it oh, let's just try this. I've got an itch. I need to scratch it, see where it goes.
1: Um, I think anyone who has started a business before will probably tell you that you need to have a big vision for it. Um, You know, just dipping your toe in the water, it's never how I've really done things. It's always kind of all in and let's just go full hog and see how far we can get this. And I think, um, you know, to have that vision, like I'm, you know, our mission is to change drinking culture. It's a really big hairy audacious goal and there's a lot of work that goes into that. So um, yeah, we've, we've, we've always, we've always kind of viewed this thing as, as, you know, going large, where we're currently exploring, um, you know, other options as well. We're, we're, we're building out the range even more. We're looking at, selling the beer further abroad, um overseas as well, which is really exciting. So yeah, it's um it's any definite uh...
0: plans about that?
1: Well we're on shelf in Malaysia, Hong Kong, Singapore, New Zealand at the moment. Um brilliant. Yeah, and we're in we're in conversation with a few other distributors and some other key areas. So um yeah, I'll let you know. Yeah.
0: So Peter, how did that scale up and growth go? Because how did it actually happen in the beginning? Was it um, you guys cold calling, you know, at bottle shops and and restaurateurs? And um, was it social media influences? Was it traditional media?
1: Yeah, it was probably a mix of everything. You know, like I said, the early days, um, you know, we had 1,200 Plain blank silver cans in my kitchen upstairs that my daughter and my wife and I hand paint, painstakingly put painstakingly put hand applied stickers on and into plus into paper bags with um people's names on them and we hand them around Amazing. To, you know Merivale Group and all the independents and um you know kind of these aspirational yeah, places so you basically where we wanted have to, be to- yeah.
0: Yeah, you had to cold call them. I mean, maybe did, yeah. the young Henry's yeah. guys had a few contacts, but, um, you know, you still had to, what, pick up the phone and say, you should try this product.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just that that kind of blind taste test for us was everything. Not not telling people it's non-alcoholic until they tried it was, was re- really the mic drop moment for us where, you know, almost everyone who tried it could not believe it was non-alcoholic and that's when we knew we had something.
0: Yeah, How difficult was it to crack those big distributors that you got? You're in BWS, you're in Dan Murphy's, you're in Liquorland. Was that difficult to crack and how did you do it?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we we were told pretty early on if we wanted to go into the big supermarkets and the chains that we'd have to have four or five years run on the board and we'd have to go knocking on their door and they, they wouldn't let us in for six months. And then they'd handle us down on price. And that wasn't our experience at all. You know, we, um, we kind of just stuck to our roots and what we wanted to do, which was, you know, to build a, a non-alcoholic beer company that would change drinking culture. And within eight months of launching, um, you know, we had the buyers of two of the biggest you know, retailers in the country, emailing us cold out of the blue within the space of two weeks saying they wanted to stock us. So, um, I think, wow, yeah. And I I think that wasn't down to any crazy science that we planned out or mapped out. It was just serendipitous a little bit, but you know, at the same time we, we, like I said, you know, coming through Startmate we'd surrounded ourselves with these incredible individuals who are pretty well known in their respective spaces. And, um, we built up a really cool brand ambassador team in the early days of people like Cameron Murray and, Matt DeBoer and some really you know incredible people that we classify as three areas, which is artists, athletes, and entrepreneurs and um yeah, I think it uh, you know a lot of our growth is word of mouth and people just trying it and then you know choosing it by name and and telling their friends about it and you know within a few months we were um, you know we we ran out of beer twice in the early days, which I think in the early days is good, um, but as you mature, you really need to you know get that that production forecast as right as you can because yeah. you don't want to be sitting on yeah. too much stock but you can't sell out um so these are all things that we've you know over the last two years plus we've managed to kind of juggle and figure out and still trying to figure out but we've we've got some incredible people you know the the buyers from all those big retailers i think um you know it's 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 so incredible how helpful they are they empathize that we're a young business we um you know pretty early on we said hey if we were going to deliver to all of your stores we'd fall over we wouldn't be able to kind of ramp production that quickly. They understood that. They said, "Yep, we get it. We're, we, why don't we do 100 stores this month? We'll do 150 the next month, and kind of gradually scale with us." So it's been an absolute pleasure to work with those customers and and see that see heaps normal on, on more shelves around the country.
0: Yeah, that's that's great to hear that about those big players. How many stores could you sort of put a figure on it? How many stores are you in now?
1: We're in just, I believe, just over four thousand venues around the country, which is bottle shops, supermarkets, um, you know, restaurants, off license, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, f- f- four to five thousand at the moment, um, but you know that that changes quite quickly with a with a, a big distributor that comes on board.
0: Was there one step? You took that really catapulted the business?
1: Fourth, I think it was probably a lot of little steps. I mean, look, the um, the start made um, kind of, yeah, the, the start made experience really, I think, changed the game for us in a really big way. Um, you know, we were, we all of a sudden had access to. Some of the best mentors money could buy. Uh, we had a, a, a valuation because they'd invested in us. Um, so, if anything, I think coming through Startmate as an accelerator program was probably the the best thing to happen to us in the early days.
0: Yeah, Peter. I mean, there are a lot of the big beer brands and the the multinationals are all making zero alcohol beer now. They could crush you, couldn't they? Or have sure. you got a differentiating um, appeal that will allow you all to share the market?
1: Yeah, look, I think you need to go into these things with an abundance mindset. I think there's enough of the pie to go around for everybody. And I think for me, um, you know, it's 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 two things. It's it's product and brand. You know, if you make a good product that yeah. people really enjoy, um, that is hard to to copy. Um, I think that's a really big tick for a company like us, and the other thing is brand, and I think you know it's hard to replicate brands. Someone could quite easily take a product and reverse engineer it and figure out how to make it. but um, you know people people buy into brand and and I think what we've created as a as a beer company is quite unique. I don't think it's very replicable. Um, and I think you know those two things together has allowed us to be a market leader, which is great.
0: Do you think there's a key? to making your business successful, even so far?
1: Sorry, the question is, do you think there's a key to making your business successful?
0: What's been the key to making your business a success so far?
1: Um, A lot of things, you know. We mentioned timing and luck and all that kind of stuff earlier, but I think on the day-to-day it's – you know, for us as founders and also the staff, you know, we've got 23 staff now within the business. And I think, you know, it's all very clear that this is a purpose driven business for them. They all have their own reasons. And look, we're not, don't get me wrong. We're not, like I don't drink alcohol. I haven't had a drink in 18 months because I realized it was not very good for me. Um, but, you know, a lot of the team do enjoy a drink and, and we, we definitely don't preach sobriety. But um, I, I mean, in terms of being a, being a key, I think it's just, being positive, being optimistic, having a very clear vision of what you want, surrounding yourselves with the right people, really believing in what you're doing. And I think if any of those things start to wane, that's when things can start to fall apart. So, um, you know, we keep ourselves in check. Um, we're, we're not very ego driven. Um, we realize what we're doing has meaning and purpose. And like I said, those messages that we get from people in our community every now and again, and just what makes it all worthwhile.
0: How long did it take before you were profitable? Or Are you still of sort of getting to that point? I mean, obviously, anything you make, I guess, goes back into the business.
1: Yeah, we we, we invest everything back into the business. I, I I wouldn't want to go into too much detail on on the financials on a, on a call like this because I think a lot of that stuff's confidential. But, um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's for us, it's it's about doing the right thing. You know, we're um we've, we we spend a lot of money in making the beer, and um, but you know we've we've got some great customers out there too so um yeah it's a, it all kind of comes full circle in the end
0: have you ever come close to falling over or going broke
1: no um we haven't you know we've like i said we we're, we're not even 2 years in so we're very early days um you know we've 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 been selling the beer since we kind of first did our first brew and um you know that's kind of gone from from strength to strength month in, month out. But I think I think anyone who says they're not going to fall over at some point would be either naive or foolish. And I think uh, we definitely, you know, um, as much as we look forward, we kind of look back and make sure that we do things better than we've done them before. And I think just trying to get better and doing it in a really honest way and, um, you know, the way we're doing it, I think, is, is is really working for us.
0: So, Peter, what would be your markers of success Right now, for heaps normal, and where you're at.
1: Look, I, I, our goal from the beginning is to have a heaps normal in every fridge. Um, so that is the, you know, the, the the big kind of vision that we have. Um, but you know, in terms of markers, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tricky question to answer. I think for me, it comes down to people trying our product, people liking our product, people being being curious and inquisitive about what we're about, looking into that, and then. You know, realizing that they identify with that in some way or form, and I think for me that's that's all we can really ask for. that's that's the stuff that gets me really excited.
0: Can I just ask you, how did you learn to be a leader, and suddenly you're a leader with three other co-founders, you've got all these big customers, uh, you've got a, a big scale up happening still, and you're sort of in the midst of it. And what have you learned about yourself as a leader in these past two years?
1: For Helen, that's a really good question. Um, I think, you know, um, always learning is the key. I think I think anyone who uh, thinks to know everything is going to be brought down to speed quite quickly. Um, you know, we still get things wrong daily. You know, we're still trying to figure things out, but we've jumped in with both feet. We've surrounded ourselves with people who are Better than us in key areas that we might lack skills and expertise in, um, but I think you know, being honest with it with each other, we are uh, we have very much want for feedback. We ask for a lot of feedback from the team in terms of how we can improve. Um, you know, we've brought in tools like Culture Amp and things like that um, that really help us to create. I guess a culture of people that believe in what we do and believe in the brand and the business. And, um, you know, that applies to us as co-founders as well. You know, um, we've all worked in the industry in some way or form for, for a long time. Um, This is my fourth business. Um, The other two, two of the earlier ones were complete failures. And I think there's a lot of learnings through that, but, um, but yeah, we're always learning and we're always trying to get better. And I think just having that approach and that attitude and not think you know everything, is is the key to improving and, and hopefully not falling over.
0: Yeah, just quickly with those other businesses you started, um, you said you had a, a brand and design business, but were they manufacturing a product type businesses? The ones that didn't work.
1: I had a yeah, I had a I had a clothing company when I was like early twenties. It manufactured t shirts that so were in about thirty something stores around around the country. Um, I had a tech startup called ViewPop that lets you capture three-dimensional apps, which is more of a software business that we took to Web Summit in Dublin and made the top 10 of pitch competitions and and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, there's definitely, we're we're in a different league now with Heaps Normal. You know, we're we're making a lot of beer. There's a lot of product shipping around the country. Um, There's all sorts of things that can go wrong (laughs) at every step of that process. Um, So we're just... We you know we're managing it as best we can, and we're 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 giving it our best shot day in day out. And um yeah, we're just we're so happy that people are just getting behind it.
0: Peter, just a few quick questions that I'm asking sure. all my guests. What are you obsessed about at the moment? be it a film, a book, a recipe, a cause?
1: I'm obsessed about productivity, and that comes down to um, being diagnosed with ADHD about 18 months ago um, as an adult and just trying oh, to understand really? that. So, um, yeah, so I'm I'm fascinated with productivity hacks and time blocking and minimizing distractions and things like that. I read a lot about it. I'm still terrible at it, at being productive. I'm, I'm a constant work in progress. But um, it's something that I'm just so interested in and trying to get right. And how
0: are you dealing with the... Diagnosis of ADHD.
1: Yeah, good. Um, Tried a a few different bits of medication that weren't right for me (laughs) Um, and it just come down to, you know, that's one of the reasons I quit alcohol. I'm I'm very conscious of my sleep. I used to go to the Gary Vaynerchuk School of Hustle where you didn't need to sleep and just work every waking hour and it dawned on me a year or so ago that that's – not the not the most effective way to operate. So um I I protect I'm very protective of my sleep and my time with my family um and just constantly experimenting and trying to get better at, at running a business.
0: Yeah. What's one of the toughest things you faced on this entrepreneurial journey?
1: <sighs> these are good questions, Helen. I'm not quite sure how to answer these. Um, look, I think there's for 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 any kind of an entrepreneur, there's there's daily challenges, right? There's challenges that um, you know, you, you think you know how to do something and then you figure out you've, that was the wrong way to do things. So I think, yeah, for me, there's just there's daily reminders of you can always be getting better at something.
0: Is there a biggest lesson you've learned on this journey so far?
1: Yeah, um, I think the biggest lesson I've ever learned, and this is a little bit off-cuff, so excuse my language here, Helen, but my my grandfather... Taught me very early in life. He said, "There's there's two rules to life. He said, rule number one is don't be a dick, and rule number two is never ever forget rule number one." And I think, um, you know, the more I think about that, the more it comes down to just being a good person and being a good human being. You know, the right thing to do is always the right thing to do. And I think sometimes we can get distracted from that without even realizing it. So, you know, when we come back to center and question ourselves on whether this is the right way to respond to a situation or the right way to you know instigate a situation is this really the right thing to do um you know it just comes down to being a good person and in turn being a good company and trying to do the right thing as much as you can
0: what would you say to some perhaps younger person who wants to pursue their idea and back themselves
1: jump in with both feet and do it it's um i think nothing gain nothing ventured nothing gained and i think I think the naivety of not knowing how to do something is, is, a, is a wonderful gift because if we, um, yeah, I think well, personally, if I knew all the challenges that lay ahead, I probably wouldn't have started my own company. So, um, so yeah, jump in, give it a crack and, um, you know, hopefully nobody's going to die and you'll be okay. <sighs>
0: Peter Brennan, co-founder of Heaps Normal, non-alcoholic beer, craft beer company. Thank you so much for joining us on Build It, They'll Come. It's been great to speak to you, Pete.
1: Thanks, Helen. You too. I really appreciate you having me on.
0: I hope you enjoyed Build It, They'll Come. Let me know via Twitter and LinkedIn. Better still, let your family, friends and colleagues know by sharing it around your networks. And I'd love you to give it a star rating on Apple Podcasts to make it easier for others to find us. Be sure to subscribe as there are plenty of upcoming episodes you don't want to miss with more amazing innovators and entrepreneurs on how they turn their light bulb idea into an empire.